0: Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary, I'm Father Reed. This week we're going to look at the week of five Lent, the week of five Lent. What is that? Particularly if you're joining me for the first time. Week of five Lent, that is the fifth Sunday in Lent and you will see posted scriptures from Sunday through Saturday. So we start on Sunday in the liturgical calendar and we extend it through Saturday, then we start up another Sunday. Now, we have five Sundays in Lent, five weeks, and so we are in the fifth week, and the next week is Holy Week, and then the next week after that is Easter Week. So we're going to be celebrating the death and resurrection of Christ next week, and then we're going to be celebrating the week after the resurrection. There's quite a few scriptures, particularly in the Gospels, about that we call post-resurrection events, post-resurrection events. But first, we are still in Lent, and we are continuing to pray, fast, be quiet before God, read our scriptures, digest them, and you'll have a lot to digest, as you can see, from the readings of this week. We are still in the great chapters of Jeremiah. We have 23 through 31. Romans 9, 10, and 11, and then we are in John 9, and 10, and 11, John 9, 10, and 11. So there's much to cover. Here we go. Jeremiah 23, 16 to 32. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 16. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds and not from the mouth of the Lord. You want to hear from someone that's heard from the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? So God is accusing them of not listening to the word of God, not being led by the word of God, then people are hearing this word, thinking that it is is the word of God, it is the word of God, and they're going to respond to it. That is a serious problem. That is not good. You want to be able to hear the word of the Lord from the minister or the teacher, the preacher, so that you will know what to believe and what to do. But if they had stood in my counsel, verse 22, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways, see, and their evil deeds. See, that's the key thing, is to stand in the counsel of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, share that word with the people. And then people would have turned from their evil ways once they've heard the word of the Lord. But if you're out there saying what's not the word of the Lord, you're saying something false, then how's somebody going to turn from their evil ways and their evil deeds? Not going to happen. Chapter 24, two baskets of figs, he says in verse 6, My eyes will watch over them for their good, and it will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me. Now, this is a wonderful thing that God is doing. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. Now, that's what we want to happen. We want God to do something to build them up and not tear them down, to plant them and not uproot them. And we pray that their heart may know the Lord and they may follow the Lord and do his will. That's chapter 24. Chapter 25, 8 through 17. Because you, This is the Lord Almighty saying, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of battle, Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations, nations, I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting ruin. This is what God's going to do. When the 70 years are fulfilled, I'm going to punish the kings of Babylon for their guilt and make it desolate forever. That's verse 12 of chapter 25. Okay, so there's going to be captivity and there's going to be captivity for seven year, 70 years, and then God's going to bring them back. He's going to forgive them. He's going to resolve this issue. Chapter 25, 30 through 38. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 32. Look, disaster is spreading from nation to nation. A mighty storm is rising from the ends of the earth. At that time, those st- slain by the Lord will be everywhere. Weep and wail, you shepherds, verse 34. Roll in the dust, you leaders of the flock, for your time to be slaughtered has come. So there's going to be judgment against the people that sin against the Lord and do not do what the Lord says. And I've been talking to you for weeks from Jeremiah about these events. Chapter 26. The Lord says in verse 2, stand in the courtroom." Court yard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen and each will turn from his evil way. That is what we're trying to do. Listen, turn from your evil way. Then I will relent and not bring on them the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have sent to you again and again, though you've not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh in this city an object of cursing among all the nations of the earth. I mean, how many times have we heard these warnings from Jeremiah? And you're only reading little pericopes of Jeremiah and through the... Daily lectionary. I mean, if you'd have read everything between chapter 1 and 26, it's far worse. All you got to do is listen to my words from the servants of the prophets and do what I say, and I will relent. Such is the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 29. Chapter 29. 4 through 13. Now, this is a very famous passage that a lot of people use. Now, you may not know this passage, so that's good. Verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Then you will seek me, verse 13, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Remember, 587, he takes them to captivity. They're there 70 years. They come back, and he restores them. Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. They went into exile because of their sin. Because of God's mercy and compassion they cried out to him, he delivered them. Chapter 31, 27 to 34. Chapter 31, 27 to 34. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. Thank God that he does that for us. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. You can't get better than that, people. I'm going to put my law in their minds. I'm going to write it in their hearts. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. We're going to have a relationship. You won't have to say, Know the Lord. They will know me and I will forgive them, and they will, and will remember their sins no more. So circle uh, Jeremiah 31. Again, good news, bad news from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Good news if we obey the Lord and do what he says, Deuteronomy, Psalm 1. Bad news if we don't. Ladies and gentlemen, do what the Lord says. Read his word, study, pray. When you and I mess up, repent. Tell God you're sorry. Be honest about your sin. Move away from your sin. Ask God to help you and empower you to do what God wants you to do. Romans chapter 9. Now, Romans chapter 9 is, to say the least, a very difficult chapter. And it has to do, as I said last time, with the um, nation of Israel and how Paul, who is obviously from the nation of Israel and is obviously a Jew, deals with that dealing with what to do with Israelite people, chapter 9, 19 to 23. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us, verse 19? For who resists his will? But who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you make me like this? Verse 21, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes purposes and some for common use. So they have this extraordinary discussion about what to do with the people of Israel and the Gentiles. Chapter 10, 1 to 13. Brothers, my heart's desire and pray prayer to God for the Israelites is they may be saved. No question about it. We want them to go to heaven. We want people to be saved. We want God to save many, many people. We want people to come to Christ. For I testify about them, verse two, that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, very serious to do that. They did not submit to God's righteousness. The only way that you could be righteous before God is submit to Christ. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. There's going to be righteousness if we accept the righteousness of Christ. But if we depend on our own righteousness, we're going to have lots of problems. Verse 9, very famous verse. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. For the scripture says, everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is your salvation. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How beautiful, verse 15, are the feet of those who bring good news. And this is what we're trying to do with the daily office lectionary, is bring good news. Faith comes by hearing, verse 17, hearing the message, hearing the word of God. And that message is heard through the word of Christ. The gospel message is crucial. We need to hear the gospel message. We need to hear the word of the Lord. We need to hear these scriptures that we are sharing. We need to pray about these scriptures. We need to think about these scriptures. We need to come to Christ. Chapter 11. The remnant of Israel. Verse 5. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. A remnant is a small group. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were... Grace would no longer be grace. So it's not by works, it's by grace. It's by God's grace. May God work in your lives on a daily basis in a very profound way according to the grace and mercy of God. Now, again, he's talking in chapter 11, another difficult chapter. Quite frankly, chapter 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 are much simpler, but chapter 11 is difficult, he's talking about the Jewish people, and he's talking about how he's going to save them. So enjoy reading those chapters. Let's look at a couple more verses in chapter 11, verse 22. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you can continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. You want to experience the kindness of God. You want to share the kindness of God with other people. You want to share the mercy of God and the goodness of God. You do not want to be cut off from God. The doxology. Verse 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, each of us has a view about what we think about the sovereignty of God and the richness of God and the knowledge of God and the greatness of God. That's a very important theological component. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. In the difficulty of chapters 9, 10, and 11, we had this great doxology before we changed course in chapter 12, and we see how great God is. So where are you with that idea? Where are you in your relationship with God? Where are you in terms of how great he is? Where are you in terms of how you see God acting and working in your life. And that's something to think about on a regular basis as you do your devotions. Let's now turn to John chapter nine. John chapter nine. Now in John chapter nine, he is going to encounter someone born blind. And this person in chapter nine is blind from birth. So his disciples asked him in verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He must have done something wrong to be born blind. Jesus amazingly says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, verse 4, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So in Christ, there is light. You do not want to be in darkness. This person is in darkness. He cannot see. He could not see from birth. Jesus heals him by telling him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes, he washes, and he comes back. He can see. And then they want to know, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders want to know, How did this man see? How did that happen? The Pharisees investigate this in the second half of chapter 9. And if you will read this very closely, you will see this extraordinary relationship between the Pharisees, his parents, the man born blind, and and finally Jesus at the end. Jesus had heard that they threw him out in verse 35. He got thrown out of the synagogue. And when they found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 35. Verse 36. Who is he, sir? Tell me, tell me that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Verse 37. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him and said, What? Are we blind to?" Jesus famously says, almost enigmatically, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remain, remains. We need to have a relationship with God where we are weak and we are not strong and we are blind and we need help and we are desperate and we need somebody to save us. And Jesus provides that. But if we are haughty, and we are proud and we think much of ourselves and we are arrogant and we are boastful or we are boasting or we think we're better than others, nothing's going to happen. Now, here's a man born blind, clearly blind. The people knew who he was and he clearly can see now. How'd that happen? A miracle of Jesus, a sign of Jesus' divinity and his greatness. Did people look at that? and change their mind about him not many the hardness of our hearts is a real thing chapter 10 of course is the wonderful chapter about the good shepherd jesus is the gate for the sheep in chapter 10 verse 7 the thief is very dangerous he comes to steal and kill and destroy i came that you might have life john 10 10 that you might have life and have it to the full i am the good shepherd Chapter 10, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I'm thinking of Psalm 23. I'm thinking of Ezekiel 34 about the shepherds. We're the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. He takes care of us. We are safe with Jesus. I am the good shepherd, he says in verse 14. I know my sheep. My sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Of course, he will do that. And so when you are in the sheepfold and when you are in and you pass through the gate and Jesus is the gate and he takes care of you and he gives you the pasture and he gives you food and water. Remember, we talked about um, the bread of life last uh, week when we talked from 635, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You feast on me, you'll never go hungry because it's an eternal thing. Jesus is always with you, Psalm 23. He's the good shepherd. Now, these people, these people, the Jews, which are referred to in chapter 9, they don't care anything for Jesus. Jesus says in verse 27, 11, 1027, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. But the Jews said, verse 33, We are not stoning you, because they wanted to kill him, for any of these but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. We know you're not God. I don't know what you're telling us because you're not. You're not the Messiah. And, of course, Jesus is saying that he is. And all they have, the evidence they have, is all these miracles that he's done. Look at the beginning of chapter 6 last week. He feeds the 5,000, five loaves and two fish, 12 baskets left over, and he walks on water. Okay, he heals somebody blind. You want another one? He raises Lazarus from the dead, chapter 11. I mean, I don't know what else the man could do. Who can heal a person born blind? Who is going to be the good shepherd and take care of the flock? Who is going to raise a person from the dead? He's been dead for four days. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said in verse 25, chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will die, will live, even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's a question for all of us today. I'm the resurrection and the life. I have life. I can save people eternally. And because of my resurrection from the dead, I have destroyed death and the grave. The person that believes in me will live, even though he dies or she dies in the natural death that we have. If you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this? It's a question for all of us. And then he raises the person from the dead. And it was an extraordinary thing. Jesus called out in a loud voice, verse 43, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, in this last week of Lent, before we enter the very holiest of weeks, Holy Week, that culminates in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, I don't know what could be better than dealing with these scriptures from Jeremiah, the positive and the negative from Paul's letter to the Romans and where we see salvation in 10, 9 following. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, verse 13, of chapter 10. And then finally, Jesus is dealing with the man born blind, the good shepherd, and the resurrection of, or I should say the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He, w- he did die. See, Jesus is the only one that was raised from the dead and did not die. He's the master of them all. I shall be praying for you and for us as we enter into this Holy of Holy Weeks. Enjoy the fifth Sunday in Lent and the week, the days following this fifth week in Lent as we prepare ourselves for Holy Weeks. May the Lord continue to bless you and give you a Holy Lent. See you next week for Holy Week. God bless you.